This is the Courier Talking Football. I'm Eric Nicholson, and with me this week are Jim Spence and Alan Temple in from Fifeland. How are you doing, Alan? You well? I'm very well, yes. From deepest, darkest Fifeland. It's uh, lovely to be back in civilization with you guys. We've not, it's not just, we've not just got you because Dunfermline have lost the game anyway. You'll be thinking, oh, that, all the, those weeks when Dunfermline were on the rise yeah. and it was King Yoffy and everything like that. <laughs> and you were elsewhere on, on Thursday mornings. But anyway, we'll, we'll move to Fife in a wee bit. We'll start. We'll start a tannerice, Jim. I think you were at you. Did you go at the game Sunday or did you watch it on the TV? No, I, I was there, Eric. Um, yeah, you've got a season there. ticket this year, haven't you? For both I the Dundee <laughs> grounds, you're doing well. Yes, I, 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 I was there. I've no missed much this season at the end of tannerice. What are we? Um, uh, where are we at? We United just now, Jim. Actually, I think we've have, have we gone? We've gone beyond a wee, you know, a wee blip now, haven't we? Because the the form is, if you look at, you know, you can see us. Everybody can see the the runner results now. This feels like a. It feels like. A blip has become a spell. No, I think so. I, th- I think that's right. And uh, I mean, I- I've been very positive about them so far, Eric, because I think there's, you know, there's a decent squad and, and the Tam Court's experiment. And I think to some extent, it- it's fair to describe it as an well, experiment. They're fourth, they're fourth in the table. They're fourth in the table, yeah. aren't they? So, yeah. Fourth in the table. But um, look, you-, you know what? I mean, you know, as as we kind of, you know, as as we go to air or go to pod here, we you know we discover that Jack Ross has been punted overnight. You know, um, we know what football's like. No, for I'm not for a minute suggesting Tam. <laughs> Course is, is of course, must go, says Jim. We, right, we we'll wrap what, it up there, okay? Thanks for we listening. We know what football's like, you know. I mean, but you know, fans are uh, fans are unforgiving when things start to slip. So, I mean, you're off the back now, kind of, you know, the defeat against um, Celtic, and, and and it was three going on eight. You know, off the back of defeats against Motherwell, a, a draw at Ross County, you know. A, um, beat Aberdeen, but you know, took the tanking off of Hearts five two, lost the Saints, drew against Livingston. So all of a sudden, it, it, it's kind of a wee bit more patchy. But look, I mean, yeah, they are because the know, Aberdeen one. I think most people said that was a that was a draw if ever there was a, a game. So had they not scraped that one, they would have had no wins in seven. The, the, the thing is, un, until um, uh, until the weekend, uh, no great damage had been done because they were still. You know, they still are within touching distance of hearts, to be honest. I mean, they're, you know, they're, they're five points behind, and I think most fans would have taken that at the start of the season in fourth place, five points behind. But going into the game against Celtic, they were at, they were closer. I mean, you know, but that um, that has led to, you know, between that and hearts doing well, that's, that's led to that five-point gap. That um, means that the level now with Motherwell, and the Dons within sniffing distance as well and all the rest of it. Now, you can argue that, that you know, that, that, that this season thoughts and hopes of a, a top six were, were were arguably ambitious for United anyhow. So they've set off at a cracking pace. You know, once they got the opening opening day <coughs> defeat against Aberdeen at the way, they set off at a cracking pace. They've done really, really well. They've played a lot of really good stuff. Um, but to some extent, I wouldn't say the wheels have come off the wagon, but they've been discombobulated a wee bit. I think between, you know, they, they've missed Levitt, um, uh, in the last game, they, they missed Fuchs. Fuchs is back against Celtic, but they missed him for a couple of games. You know, I think that kind of that, that um, threw them a wee bit. But I think probably what's thrown them as well is at this level, some somebody who shall remain nameless because he's he's a well known figure in the game. But he said to me the other week after the game, he says the problem at this level is, and I think he was talking, you know, outside the Rangers and Celtic. The problem at this level, and I include Hearts United, everybody in it is getting guys to hit consistent performances week in, week out. The truly great players can do that. They'll have the occasional bad game, but, you know, but the rest don't. They can't hit the, you know, the, the levels of passing, of accuracy of passing, of accuracy of tackling, uh, of, of a whole a whole uh, raft of things. And that's what happens. Um at, uh, at, at Scottish Premiership level. You know, you're looking for the holy grail of consistency all the time and sometimes it evades you. That, as well as the fact that it's a very, very tough league. That said, there's not really not much can be taken out of United's performance against Celtic because they were second to everything. They were played off the part by a team who were smarter of thought, quicker of touch, uh, speed of movement was better, just all-round better football players. That's a simple fact of life. United didn't get out of the traps. They never really came out of the traps. In the second half, they had more of an impact, but it was still pretty pretty minor, um, and they could have lost that game quite easily, 7 or 8-0, and it didn't help the fact that you know they had um, almost, and probably should have, well, no probably is about it, they should have had Callum Butcher sent off for a, a ridiculous tackle. We'll so come to that. It was we'll a bad that, Yeah, I mean, Alan, I th- just thinking about it there, I th- 
defense hasn't really it's not it's not become an issue has it it's it's you know i think as long as as long as their key men stay fit throughout the season i don't think united are going to have any concerns about that i don't think even when united were were racking up the results you know there was a while they were they were being outscored by ross county so up front has probably never been the success story that results would have suggested where there's been the the big drop off for dundee united has been in midfield in in my eyes. Would would you agree with that? Yeah, certainly. I mean, you look at the goal record, uh, as you allude to there, and in this run of one win in seven games, Dundee United have only scored more than one goal in a single game on one occasion. So they are not a free-scoring outfit. The injury to Mark McNulty evidently didn't help. He was intended to be their star man in attack, their marquee number nine. Then you bring in Max Biamu for cover. He gets injured. Louis Appert, lovely to see him back, but he still is untested and unproven as a top-flight goal scorer. So none of that is ideal when you're looking to score goals, but I'm always reluctant to just pile the attention on the number nine when a team isn't scoring goals because it rarely is that simple and the service hasn't been there. And Dylan Levitt, uh, as Jim rightly alludes to, I think he is perhaps the biggest missing ingredient to that because he is such a sharp, intelligent midfield player and he cuts through the lines with passes, although he's quite deep lying. He gets you forward as good as any winger or as any kind of mercurial driving midfielder because he can cut through the lines with a 15-yard pass and all of a sudden you're only 30 yards from goal and you can create something. And I think with the midfield options that Dundee United have without Dylan Levitt, I don't think they have that player to... Um, advance the you know advance the football. It's a no, simple game. Get it as close to the other team's goal as possible. I'm not sure they have the midfield to do that at the moment. And after a bright start, I'm not sure the the you know the the consistency as Jim talks about there is is not quite there from the from the wingers as can so often be the case just at the moment. Are you? Uh, I mean, where do you stand on on Fuchs? I think across the board. I mean, I've always always said that that Levitt was the better player out of the two of them and would go higher. They're talking about Levitt and Fuchs here, and I, I must admit, maybe I just wasn't seeing Fuchs playing when he was playing really well. But I, I've I've not I've not seen it over the last couple of months. And I noticed there was an interview came out that you know our colleague Ewan Smith translated. Is he starting to glide towards leaving Tannadice? I, I mean. Uh... It certainly, it certainly looks like that that way. I think when players tend to start talking about their futures and sell-on fees and where they see th- themselves next, it usually is an indication that um, in interviews that, in their native tongue, you know, exactly. <laughs> I mean, it's these interviews don't just happen; they are either set up by an agent or they're uh, you know asked for, and there's a reason why players would say yes to them. So that that is gen, you, you know, usually how it works. But at the same time, you'll only go if there's a offer there that's amenable to him and Dundee United and the news about how hefty that sell-on fee is going to be may just be the thing that convinces Dundee United to keep a hold of him because if um, Jean de Fuchs Fuchs is the difference between Dundee United finishing 7th and 4th, then financially it makes sense to keep him. Um, And I think although um, I'd say his form hasn't been quite as consistent as it was earlier in the season, I still really rate him. I think he fills a really, really important role in that team. He's combative. He does know that Carl Butcher's going to be out for three oh, well, games. Of course. Uh, it's, and, uh, he's a, I think he dovetails. When you do get Levitt back, he dovetails beautifully with Levitt. I think it's a really, really good midfield two pivot. So, uh, yeah, I, th- I think Jean Dufux will, will have interest. But whether that interest is enough to convince Dundee United to say, you know, uh, we'll sell them even although we're only going to get, say, 60% of the fee. Uh, and that's a number I'm pulling out of the air, I should make clear. Um, uh, that's another question. Where's his level, Jim? You've seen more, much more of him than I have. Mm. Where's, he, where's his level? If, you, if we're talking Scotland or, or England, what's, has, he, has he peaked? Does he go higher? 
No, I mean, I think he could he could certainly play higher. I mean, he could certainly play, I think, at a higher level in the Premiership, <coughs> uh, the Scottish Premiership. That, I think, depends on what you regard as a higher level in the Scottish Premiership. Well, the English, English Championship. Champion, English Championship is on there. Yeah, he, I mean, I mean, yeah he, he could play in the English Championship, I think, quite easily. I mean, he's <coughs> he's got, I think Alan hit it on the head, he, he's got a combative kind of, you know, I mean, uh, he, here's the danger, I think, when you go south of the border, you, you, you enter land of the giants, you know, you I mean, we've all seen you know, well, the mobile giants as well. Ah, yeah, that's right. I mean, you you truly are into the land of the the super athlete. You know, the guy who's six foot two that can run all day is very flexible, exceedingly strong, and all the rest of it. Well, that doesn't mean to say there's not there's not um not a place for uh, for for the, the smaller, more slightly built. It's not a slightly built, but it's quite a strong wee no, character, exactly. you know. Yeah. Um, so I think he's 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 got the kind of the right levels of kind of dig and and, and abrasiveness and all the rest of it that you require for a midfield role. So you can certainly do that. I I, I must admit, I mean. Um, having you know, assuming that the the interview, no reason to believe it wasn't a, a true reflection and a true interpretation, <clears throat> that indicated to me quite clearly that he's you know that he is keen to be moving on to the next stage of his career. I mean, United have been a fine kind of stepping stone, got him back into things. Thank you very much. Good night. You know. Um, I, now here, here's the fear for me. The fear for me is you know at what stage does a player switch off? When he starts to make it clear that he wants to go, you know, well, what do you get out of him? Once the January window is gone, what do you get him out the next three or four months? What do you get him, uh, you know, out of him come January and February and and and, and March when it's still pretty cold and miserable and windy and rainy and all the rest of it, and and he really doesn't want to be there. I mean, now we don't know that. I mean, you know, but but I always. You know, I mean, this is the modern world and it has been for some time with football players. You know, I mean, at one time, players wouldn't have given these interviews, you know, being at a club and demanding to be on. But, you know, the post-Bosman, everything changed. So um, I, I would be slightly concerned at the moment that, that, that Giando Fuchs has kind of got one eye on, on on Saturday's game against Livingston, but he's got another eye on any potential move. Um, so <clears throat> the, all you can do is, is wait and see how he performs. I mean, he's a, you know, at United, he um, he's performed admirably, I think, since he came into the team. And, um, and Alan's right, he's a, he's a fine pivot with Levitt because, you know, Levitt picks a pass, has a beautiful threaded kind of motion in his passes, makes it easier for a front man to, you know, pick up the kind of pass, beautiful ball in his, in his you know, his, his feet and all the rest of it, into the running positions. Um, different different kettle of fish with Fuchs. He's more of a kind of abrasive in there, digging into feet, digging into balls, winning balls, uh, laying them off, giving and, giving and going. And you need both. And I think both complement each other very, very well indeed. Um, but he's obviously, he's obviously not a long-term prospect. Now, that, that was always going to be the case when they brought if, him. But if, um, if, Jim, just going back to the whole sort of the larger picture of it and United's business plan, when you get these type of players in, you know, you're, you're kind of, you're giving them the stepping stone. Every, you know, United haven't, they've not, they've not been pulling the wool or isn't anybody's like, they've been, they've been up front with, that's, that's, that's what they're doing. So you, you unearth a, a rough diamond, you polish them up a bit, then he moves on. Something's gone wrong, though, hasn't it? If if United don't make money out of this boy, haven't they? Well, Otherwise, well, well, you think, well, okay. Well, Eric, I mean, you know, I, I would be tempted to say that, that something um, is, you know, is, how can I put this? Um, it, it might be on the verge of going wrong because United's business plan is just that, that they bring through, they find diamonds in the rough um, or, or the, you know, players who have been out of favour elsewhere or they bring through young boys and they sell them on because, you you know, you've got Mark Ogren who's bankrolling the club and, and he's put his money and he's put his money where his mouth is so far. But somewhere along the line, He's got to start getting some kind of return, you know. You know, otherwise, you know, does he lose interest? Does 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 the does the glamour start to fade? Does he start to think, what the heck am I doing with pouring my dollars into into this? Can I ever get anything back? You know, I mean, you know, washing your face might be one thing, but at the moment, you know, there's a United are, are kind of you know, um, a big staff. They're, they're bringing through all these young boys. There's lots going on behind the scenes. Um, the club has been, you know, in Scottish terms, I think, very successful this season so far. But somewhere along the line, you really need to be selling a, a, a player on. I mean, like, you know, the whole the whole Jim McLean business model from you know forty odd year ago was was predicated on selling a player every couple of seasons and for big big money, and that kept the rest of the squad going. That allowed them to pay decent wages, decent bonuses, and all the rest of it. Um, so you kind of think to yourself, when and where do they? Actually, sell someone for and money who? because every every, every <laughs> player every player in Scotland is available at the right price. 
Yeah, no, it's. I, th- I think it's. Better. That's that's a. It's an issue in the background. There's 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 no doubt about it. And the irony of it is, Alan, we've we've talked about it. You know, just amongst ourselves, and I think we've talked about it on this podcast that, and had he been their asset, the most, the the biggest asset is the one that they don't they don't own, and it's it's still still in Levitt, isn't it? Yeah, I mean that's. Uh, I guess that's the way it turns out. You know, I, I don't think there's any uh, there's any intention uh, on their part. You know, you've, when you have so many young players or you have so many, you know, rough diamonds, as you say, you, you never quite know who are the ones that are going to shine up and glisten the brightest. So, um, I, I don't think there's any criticism for on Dundee United's part on on that one. I'm sure they would have loved. Uh, one of their own young players or assets to be uh, as impressive as Dylan Levitt's been uh, of late. But, you know, there's there's still time in that regard. But I, I don't think there's... Everything needs to be a balance. You know, if you're building a squad in Scottish football, then you are, you know, unless you're Rangers or Celtic or Atapuja, Aberdeen, Hearts and Hibs, then you're probably not going to have a squad entirely made up of your own assets um, uh, you know, if you want it to be a good squad, <laughs> to put it frank, yeah, um, yeah. you know, it needs to be a mix of young players, senior pros, and talented loan players. Who, let's be honest, you probably couldn't afford for them to be your your own assets. And I think I would rather look at the positive aspect of of the Dylan Levitt move for Dundee United, which is they're getting a fine player, and I've got absolutely no doubt that Manchester United's uh, loan development department will be looking up and saying. Do you know what? That's been a really successful one. He's getting minutes. He's playing well. He's in the, you know, the shake up for a starting eleven place. Uh, oh yeah, Welsh it helps them get more, team, doesn't it? It helps. It helps, helps you get more exactly. And Manchester United will notice that. And you know, football can be a, a little village sometimes with, with football people chatting to each other. And it will get around that Dundee United is a good place for your loan players. They'll get minutes. They'll play. So whilst it's you know whilst it might not fit in with the whole um, model in terms of bankrolling the future in terms of getting a good football team out on the pitch. I think the Dylan Levitt move is is good now and will be good in the future. Jim, going back to Sunday, what was the reaction like in the in the press box with the, the Callum Butcher challenge? I mean it's 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 on your touchline. Did did the severity of it did you pick up on it at the time? Or was um, it one that you only really saw from the other angle? And I, yeah, I, I, I mean to, to, um, to, to be honest with you, Eric, I mean, at the time, it just it just looked a bruising tackle to me when I, when I saw it again on, uh, I mean, I actually, I, mean, I said this on Twitter, I, I actually had to, I had to close my eyes, I couldn't watch it. You know, uh, I saw it, went to job, slow motion, it? it was just... And, you I know, know you I mean, thinking I, slow motion, Jim, you know? Yeah, it was just brutal. I mean, I like Butcher. I mean, I've said this on here, you know, I think Butcher can play central defence, I think he can play midfield, I like him, but there's got to be... At this level? Control digression. Uh, well, that, that's the, that's the worry now. I think you know. Um, I mean, you know, and he came on. You know, I mean, he. I mean, he came on as a sub. You know, he was really lucky not to be sent off. I mean, my suspicion is that. Is it a frustrated man? Think do you think? Do you think he's? Do you think that well, a lot of that tackles because he's coming off because he's not well, getting I, I, used. To I think much. so. You know, you're <clears throat> you're coming off the bench. You're desperate. You know, to he's coming off. Of course, the the back of a suspension. You know, you're desperate to um you know to impress and all the rest. That you're coming on against uh, uh, Celtic. You know the. Well, two name Rangers are two best teams in the country. Um, you're desperate to impress, but that, that wasn't the way to impress. I think you know. I mean, the, look, the problem's quite simple. You cannot afford a liability, and there's no point in having a player that can't play. You know, there's, it's pointless to have a player who's going to be banned. Uh, now, if he does, there's suggestions that he might he might take a three game ban for this one. If that happens, then you know that'll be five he's missed. I mean, you, you just cannot afford to have that. You know, the, the days when. You know, you had midfield enforcers and all the rest of it um, with those kind of tackles. Those have gone. I mean, I'm pretty sure that, you know, managers have got to say one thing. They've got to say one thing, kind of defend their players in public and all the rest of it. But, but I'm sure that Tom Courts and the people behind the scenes at Tarleys cannot be happy uh, with, with what they saw. I mean, you know, it was a it was a, a wild tackle on a fellow professional. I'm, I'm sure the player himself must regret, uh, you know, flying into it as he did. So there's a couple of things. I think if he's going to, if he's going to kind of make himself um, a, a Part of this, the, the the United team playing at this level, it's, it's got to be controlled aggression. I think he has. I think Butcher has abilities, um, but uh, that, that, you know that kind of that, that kind of incident on on Sunday, you know, I think would just make you shudder and, and make you think twice about picking. Them. There's no point picking somebody who's going to pick up yellow cards and, and sending off as, as frequently um, as this. And rightly or wrongly, Alan, it's because he's done it against Celtic. 
He's done it on Sky Sports. He now has, I mean, you know, he he now has a, a profile, doesn't he? He now has a reputation because it, because it was such a it was such a well watched incident, and it was against Celtic, and you know all the rest of it. You know they're speaking about it on Sky Sports. You know with the ref they get in on, in the morning. You know Sky Sports News and all the rest of it. It's he's going to be a marked man with referees now. If he wasn't before, yeah, it's a, it was a frustrated, angry challenge, and as Jim said, it was a someone trying to make their mark and making it entirely um, in, in the wrong way. Um, I'm just <clears throat> credit Andrew McLean over at um, Clyde One for a tweet I saw uh, yesterday, I think, which basically said Callum Butcher's play, uh, has now been banned for more Premiership minutes than he's played to this season. He's been banned for 450 minutes and he's played 434. Um, so I think that probably, um, if you wanted to neatly package things up with some numbers... Uh, he's not helped his manager, has he? He's not no, exactly. Yeah. It's it's you know a a player can be as great around the place and he can be tough tackling and he can be all the things that I'm sure Tam Courts would say about Callum Butcher and would no doubt be correct. But if he's not on the football pitch, then he's not an effective football player. So there needs to be controlled aggression. There needs to be a little bit toning down of things. And when you start to get to this point, where I don't think any of us can sit here and and claim that he's being particularly harshly treated or we're being particularly harsh in our assessment. Most of the decisions that have gone against Callum have been fair enough, and even this one retrospectively. So, you know, there's something that probably needs to to change there. And, um, yeah, if, uh, to be an effective player in this squad, he needs to be available because Dundee United can't afford. It's not a big enough, not enough, a big enough squad at this level to to carry passengers. And I, I think the issue is Alan. Also, I mean, you know, Callum, what is Callum? He's thirty now, I think. Callum Butcher, isn't he? So this, this is you know, player. this is no a young boy coming in and and you know and losing the rag and and and, and you know seeing kind of clouds above the head and, you know, making make a rash and a wild and a dangerous tackle. You know, this is a 30-year-old player who's a, a senior professional. You know, I mean, he, he's got to kind of get the grips with things like that. Um, it's, I, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure he'll end up with, you know, uh, something like a three-game ban or whatever. And again, there you go. There's 270. Man. A very good start, actually, by the way. You know, it's, an, it's the kind of start that just, you know, makes you sit up and think, aye, you know, bloody hell, that, that's absolutely right. There's no point in having a player who's not available for you. They've got a biggie on uh, at the weekend, haven't they, Alan? I mean, these are the types we've we've said it two or three times over the the course of the the season with United. They've, they've they've had a good habit of, you know, winning a game when you know they 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 really need to, not not that they've been in danger or anything close to it. But you know, these are sort of momentum changers, aren't they? One way or the other, you know, the United can kind of get themselves right back on track here against Livingston at the weekend. They're playing a tidy side as well. That would know, be the, yeah. the the worry. Livingston having, I mean, cards on the table. And I used to cover Livingston, so I, it was with no pleasure that I thought this. But I, th- I thought Livingston might go down at the start of this season. They lost some some super players, and that new manager bounce that they got from Davy coming in was um, maybe starting to fade. It looked like, but. He's got them. He's getting a real tune out of them. Um, although Hibs were a. a, a clown show on, on Wednesday, you know, they, they can only... <laughs> you're going to say some other type of show there. <laughs> Livingston can well, only as well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That was the subtext. <laughs> no, it was, uh, you know, Livingston beat what was in front of them and, and did it well. And, you know, they, they've been solid and they're rising up the standings. And, yeah, uh, it's not a, a not a gimme uh, in any circumstances. And uh, Dundee United will need to show up. Uh, you know, it was a gutsy 1-1 draw earlier in the season. But... You know, uh, the last time they played at Tannadice, Dundee United kind of swept them aside 3-0. So they would hope for, for something similar to that. And you would like to think that Dundee United have uh, have improved the, this season, certainly in attacks. So uh, it's a game that they should be looking to win. But I, I always think there's, there's a danger inherent in these types of games because, uh, you know, you look at them and say, oh, well, Dundee United should be beating Livingston at home. Whereas you look at the recent form of the two clubs and, as I'm sure Tam Courts will be, and say... You know what? That's really not a gimme. That is, it's, it's, it'll be tight. I reckon. He keeps uh, just to finish it up on on United, Jim. I haven't picked up on any sort of. There's been no discernible change in 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 the way Tam Courts has 
speaks pre and post match, which I like. You know, he seems to. You know, you think. You know, I don't think he's the type of manager that you know manager players are gonna. You know, think oh, I, my manager's panicking here away. But he, I think that, that always I like that in a manager. You know, I, I liked it in Robbie Nielsen. I like it in Callum Callum Davidson. Just a good good demeanor. You know. Yeah, I, I think that's right. I think um, <clears throat> one of the most impressive things about him, you know, away from kind of the actual kind of on on field football and tactics and all the rest of it is, he exudes that sense of calm. And I think um, that, that that spreads. You know, I mean, that, that, you know, there's, there's nothing spreads quicker uh, than a panic merchant in the trenches. You know, when you know at five sides at amateur level on a Sunday or professional football, it doesn't matter. If you got a panic merchant in the ranks, it it, it, it it tends to spread panic. And the last thing you need is, is, is your manager to be a panic merchant. He's not. He's calm. He's um, <coughs> he's down to earth. He's um, he's he's gonna uh, you know he, he he's almost unflappable, and I think that's important. You know, I have to say, even watching him from the you know from the press box and from the the, the radio gantry, he's not um, an individual who kind of is overly demonstrative uh, on, on the touchline. And to be honest with you, you know, the older I get, the more I like that. Um, I know fans like their managers to jump up and down and shout and wave their arms. It didn't achieve anything doesn't actually achieve anything. It's kind of like, it's like that old notion that, you know, uh, a crowd never scored a goal. You know, it was the same thing with a manager, an angry manager, a manager shouting and jumping up and down and gestic- gesticulating. He doesn't score a goal either, you know. Um, something's funny, all Jim, it does I is know, spread a sense of panic, you know. It's funny, I mean, like he doesn't la- do last season, I thought last season was, was that's what, why it was brilliant for us as, as journalists in the closed doors football and it opened my eyes to a few of them. It's like I was like Mickey Mellon, I'll be honest, I wasn't impressed with him on the touchline. I thought his his messaging was pretty you know, it was very, very basic and I didn't see a manager that was changing the flow of the game, you know, and really in any significant way. And it was the same. You mentioned him earlier there, Alan. I thought the the worst of the lot for me was Martindale in the in the League <laughs> Cup final. I mean I, I didn't uh, see D- it was D- a like, quiet guy, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> but it was just there was absolutely nothing that you or I couldn't have shouted at them. You know, if we were if we were coaching an under fourteens team, it just by contrast though, you had your you had your Callum Davidsons and I would have loved to have seen you know, I'd like to hear what Tam because you don't get it the same, you know, to hear what Tam Courts would be like. I would imagine he's probably a bit more subtle and is is, you know, getting into the heart of things because he always when he gets to the end of a game, Alan, he always if you feel as if he knows what's, I'm not. Listen, is it you've got to sort it and you've got to change things? But I always feel at the end of the game he puts across the sort of the message that he's known where it's gone wrong there, and he know you know he's got a good handle on it, which I think is a good sign as well. Yeah, he's an, he's analytical. He's got something that he wants to say about the game that's unfolding in front of him, um, and uh, he gets that across. There's there's no doubt about that. I, I do think there is something to be said for motivational qualities. If I was Every going to jump to the jump to the defence of, of Davy Martindale, but no, no one goes else, on for nine. No one goes on for ninety minutes, and your if, team's if doing nothing, nothing else, in a cup final. Yeah, if nothing else, it gave some um, great laughs last season, especially <laughs> watching um, Effie Ambrose uh, blight ignore everything that David Martindale was shouting at him. It was uh, it gave me some good laughs last season. So I'll, I'll stick to I'll stick up for oh. David in that regard. I, I think the thing is, you know, the, the, I think really good managers have said all they need to say before the team take the field. And then it's simply a case of reinforcing it. You know, I mean, the, the odd what maybe during a quick break or passing a message on to the nearest player. You know, get you know get this message over to kind of you know Joe on the left flank or something. You know, tell him to tuck it, whatever. You know, um, I think that the bulk of the work has been done before they come out. And a team that's well schooled and well coached and all the rest of it knows that they know their job. They've been drilled on the on the training ground. They know exactly what's expected of them. Now, you know, the, the, of course, as we know, the, 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 that great old phrase that. Um, you know that every battle plan or no battle plan survives first contact with the enemy. We know all that, you know. And um, I mean, I thought he was very succinct in his post-match comments on uh, on Sunday after the Celtic game, um, and, and I thought he was realistic as well. I mean, United made a, a better fist of it in the second half. But the truth is, you know, the, the simple sad truth on, on 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 Sunday, from a perspective from anyone who's a United fan, is United met a team on Sunday who were simply superior in in, in every department. I, I thought the two main successes for United were, were, were uh, Benjamin Segrist and uh, Charlie McGrew, who I thought were, were, were both very good. Um, but 
when you come up against a team who have, uh, you know, who have an alacrity of movement and, and a sweetness of touch and a quickness of thought and a deftness of touch and just are all round more skillful, better football players, quicker, smarter athletes. It's very, very hard. I mean, United didn't get close to them and it was very frustrating. Frustrating sitting in the press box watching it. But it's very, very hard to get close to great football players. And, and, and you know, and in Scottish terms, these are great very, Scottish very good football yeah. players. Very, very difficult to to shut them down. Sometimes you're just beaten by the better man or the better team on the day. And you know, they were well beaten by the better team on the day. Indeed they were. Uh, Ross County, Dundee, that one's come around again quickly, hasn't it? As a fixture, Alan. I mean, that was the uh, that was the low of the season for, for Dundee. No doubt about it. You know, the, the performance at McDermott Park was none too clever, but, you know, getting hammered. It, it, it just changed... Listen, it's ended up being a possibly a, a good thing for Dundee, and the, the fact that it was it was their rock bottom, and and they've come back from it. It was certainly a change for Ross County, wasn't it? Because you know they were they were putting out that message, oh, thing we're doing well, we're doing well, but we're not just getting the results. And it's like, oh, okay, maybe you were doing quite well, and you weren't getting results, and now now they're a different team. I, I, I wouldn't have a clue how to call this one. I mean, I, I think you probably make. Ross County favourites just be purely because a man you know well, they're going to miss Lee Ashcroft, aren't they? I know that they they kind of, they didn't miss him against St Johnson, but they're going to miss him, aren't they? Oh, Lee's a huge player and an inspirational character, and but you know as you allude to there, they have proved that they can be successful without him. Um, they've got a defined way that they play. They've got a defined defensive setup, and other players can slot in and out of that and. Lee will be making his presence felt behind the scenes as well. You know, this notion that when players are injured, uh, everything that's good about them uh, is lost uh, isn't necessarily the case. Granted, you miss the most important thing about them, their footballing, but at the same time, still have a big impact behind the scenes. He'll still be making his presence felt and for the time that he's out, Lee Ashcroft will, will still be important to Dundee. But it's it's interesting what you, you say there about rock bottom. I mean, it's... It's effectively acted as a springboard. Uh, you know, I recall the the twenty four hours after that five 0 defeat, and our colleague George was writing pieces about the the pressure that's building on James McPeak, and the question is whether uh, John Nelms will act and and that sort of thing. And it seems like such a a long time ago. You've now, uh, if you take away the matches against Rangers and Celtic, which I think any right minded person will say that if Rangers and Celtic play to anything like their capabilities, they will beat any team in this division. So if you take away those games, they've beaten Motherwell, they've beaten St Johnston, they've beaten St Mirren, and they've not conceded a goal in the process. Um, and particularly that Motherwell win, I think we've all seen of late, Motherwell are a good side. Like, I'm not sure anyone quite realised how good that win over Motherwell was until we've now seen the rise that they're on and the fact that they shackled uh, some really good attacking talents is to be lauded. So... If you're going on form, and I'm always inclined to, if they've played anything like what they can to take away matches against Rangers and Celtic, then Dundee have got absolutely nothing to fear because they're on a, a cracking run. And if anything, I think we might look back on that 5-0 defeat against Ross County as a as a wake-up call. I've got no doubt some pretty harsh, candid words were probably said behind the scenes. People made their presence felt, gave some home truths, and the response has absolutely been there. As it has been, how many times have we sat here and spoke about uh, James McPake's ability to bounce back as a coach? It is oh. such a, a fantastic long, long attribute Long before has. you came on this podcast. Uh, absolutely. Uh, I, mean, uh, I mean, you know, I've, geez, oh, I've only been in this company this yeah. year already. I've had about, yeah. you know, 10 conversations about the fact that James McPake will not lay down when uh, things seem to be going against him, and it is such a laudable attribute. Uh, oh, he's had a, a crash course. Coach. He's had a crash course in management like no other. You know, of course, he's, and he's coming he's had, through it. Yeah, he's had five years worth in his time at Dundee. You know, he, he really has. It's how do you see this one going, Jim? It's a, it's a really intriguing one, um, Eric, and that, that's not veering the question because I think it, it could quite clearly go anyway. Um, <clears throat> I, I I thought you know Ross County in that five 0 game. Uh, uh, 
at Dens back in October um, were, were terrific. Um, they were probably as terrific as Dundee were bad on the night. Um, but they were also, they were excellent in the second half against United at Sanadice. I mean, I think there are two wide men, Charles Cook and, and, and Hungbo, I thought were terrific um, that night. They've got pace, they've got trickery, you know, they've got power. And I think, generally speaking, there's a, actually a decent side. I think Malky Mackay actually has quite a decent side there, uh, bursting to, to get out. But Dundee... Um, you know, I had a long blather with, with, with James, and I'd, I'd, I'd actually end up down to have a blather with Alan Burrows, who I know very well after the Motherwell game, and uh, James was there, and I, and I was chewing the fart with him after his telly. It was a good, a good crack together, you know, and I, 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 delighted for him because I think you know it's it's been kind of constant, um, this constant swirl round about, you know. Um, in terms of Dundee, you know, how would they do this season? Could he keep them up? Was he under pressure and all the rest of it? Now, fair play to, to John Nelms and Tim Keyes because they've stuck by their man. And and, and I've sensed certainly with, the, you know, these two wins, you know, over Motherwell and St. John's, but even before that, they go down to Celtic and score two goals, you know, winning away at St. Martin, uh, after all after the Ross County game. You, you can, I, I don't mean you can discount the Rangers game, but, you know, there's there's, there's a lot of likelihood of most teams getting, getting much at Ibrox. And they actually had a couple of very good chances as well. Um, w- w- which was quite important. But the, the, you, you kind of sense that there's a real sense of camaraderie and team bonding building at Dens. Now, I go back to what I said earlier on, we were talking about you know this level of football. The key thing is maintaining you know, that's the holy grail in football, isn't it? You know, managing to maintain a regularity of play, a, a common standard over a period of months and, you know, weeks and months and all the rest of it. And if they can maintain this trajectory that they've been on, other than the Rangers' defeat, then I, I think things look quite good for them. Um, county are, County are undoubtedly um, a dangerous side. And, and I think they've got, is it Hibs, Hart and Aberdeen coming up for Dundee? So, uh, you know, th- there's a tough uh, period coming up. But I like what I'm seeing at Dundee at the minute. I, I, I love the running of McMillan. McMullen. I mean, I, I do sometimes wonder if United might think, why did why did we let him go? You know, I mean, he, he's tremendously direct running at players. He goes by two and three, helps with assists. McGowan has kind of, you know, Paul McGowan's got a kind of lease of life about him, you know, playing just behind the one. I like Mullen. I think Mullen's a tidy player. Saw that way his goal the other week, a lovely turn in the box and stuck it away, albeit Saints probably should have been more lively. McGowan's, uh, McGowan's looking very tidy o- o- on the flank too. And then in that midfield, you know, when you've got the likes of kind of Charlie Adam, I know that Elliot was playing uh, in midfield at the weekend, but you've got the likes of Charlie Adam who's got the ability to see passes so quickly and spread them with long diagonals, thread them through, whatever. Then I think, you know, you, you've certainly got um, a side that is on the up and up. And I think at the back, they're starting to develop as a really good unit and I've said this before I think in Adam Legsons they've got perhaps the best keeper they've had between the sticks in many many years at Den so I think things um Things to me are, are, are looking uh, much better for Dundee. What I'm still intrigued to see is, is whether they can get value out of not so much Jason Cummings, but Lee Griffiths, who, and, and you and I have had this conversation many a time, and, and I hold my hands up to being guilty of sometimes thinking of Lee Griffiths as the player he was three years ago, but I still think there's a player in there. You know, I, I think... Aye, he's you're you, still clinging on yeah, to that. No, I, I know, because he, he was an exceptional talent. And I still think that if they can, you know, if he can get back to even 90% the fitness he was at, he, he strikes a ball beautifully, uh, you know, over over five yards, can he get away from someone still the way he used to be able to? Well, if he can, uh, and you can supply him with the ammo, um, then that's good. But he's got to force his way in. And, and uh, one thing I like about James McPake is that he has not been prepared to say, well, I've got two big names on the bench here and Griffiths and Cummings. He said to him that the guys that, I'll, the guys that I will hand the shirt to will be the boys that work hardest in training and show me when, you know, when they get that shirt, what they do in the park. They're the guys that get the show. He's not, he's not going on reputations. He's going on the hard work that players put in and that's the only way you can build the team. And I think things are developing, I think, quite nicely at Dens. We set back at Ibrox on Saturday. Um, but um, I think that they're very well placed to go up and, and potentially win the game at, at Ross County. If they can do that, that would be a terrific result. And I think they've got the personnel to do that. Home win it is then, eh? Right, Alan. <laughs> no. Alan, it's nothing's changed for Saints as far as uh, as far as form and the rest of it because their game was called off last weekend. They're linked. They're getting linked. About to get linked with a few players. Callum's made it clear he he wants five or six, which is un St Johnston like in uh, 
in January terms, but I think absolutely required. Um, we're not, I'm not going to go back over the old theme of mine that basically it's about just trying to hang in there until they get to January, i.e. I'm not saying don't be detached because they don't want them to be bought and going into January, but you know, if, if they kind of are where they are in terms of in terms of points gaps, both above and below them, personally, I'd take that. And then and then the cavalry can arrive and, and help out. But one one player that Callum has admitted he's he's one of his contenders to bring in is Jamie Walker, a guy you've seen a lot of playing for Hearts. I was quite I was, I must admit there's not there's no there's no sort of signature goals or or games that stand out in my mind from watching him against teams that we cover. But I looked his his goal statistics are fantastic. You know, fifty goals for Hearts and there was I think it was fifty nine, fifty eight assists as well. Hearts were kind enough to have a, I found a tweet of when he got his 50th and they had all 50 goals. There was a lot of sort of cutting in from the right, on the right, sorry, cutting in from the left on his right foot and pinging it in the top corner type goal. Is that is that the sort of Jamie Walker when he's at his best, you kind of picture? He's certainly, that's certainly the Jamie Walker that St. Johnston need, uh, particularly with your um, injury problems on that kind of left-hand side with, you know, where David Wotherspoon would, you know, could ordinarily be so dangerous and um, Jamie can certainly do that. It's it's a difficult one to assess Jamie Walker at the moment just because it's been so long since he's had a concerted run of first-team football. He's what do Hearts fans say about it, Al? Are they are they wanting I think him back there's a, in there's or are they a, just... well, there's a there's a degree of mystery about it, but I think Hearts fans are inclined to take Robbie Nielsen's word for it because that's all you can do. And Robbie Nielsen has made allusions in the past to um, him needing to get up to full fitness, um, work hard, force his way into the team. But I think it's evident that um, he's not part of Robbie's plans. Um, I, I think. I don't think I'm talking out of school to say that once you're not part of Robbie Nielsen's plans, you're not part of Robbie Nielsen's plans. It's happened at at previous club. It happens with certain players. And to be honest, it happens with loads and loads of managers. So that's not a dig at at Robbie, who I've got a a huge amount of respect for. Um, But he's not in the picture. And whether anyone can say it publicly, he'll be looking for a move in, in January. St. Johnston, in terms of what they need, is a perfect fit for Jamie. Um, it's all about how fit and sharp Jamie is. But if if those knees are you know holding up, and if he can um, get back to that you know uh, positional awareness, that sharpness that he's got, he's lovely at picking up pockets of space, mm-hmm. drifting in. He can play in the number more, 10. more about role. that than pace, is he? Yeah. Yes, absolutely. I think you know you you hear you hear winger and you think running at people and darting down the the line. That's not the type of player Jamie Walker is. Certainly not at, at this stage of his development. He can he's a player who can dash in from the left. He can pick up little pockets of space between the lines. Very intelligent, very so technically that, gifted and has, has so an that eye for front goal. three of St. Johnson it sounds like he would he would take up a David Wotherspoon type role quite that would that would fit quite nicely. Yeah, absolutely. I actually really like Jamie Walker in a sort of number 10 role, but I doubt uh, Callum Davidson's going to uh, rip up his, his tactical plan to, to that degree. But, uh, you know, if you were, when you were talking about kind of Jamie Walker moments or Jamie Walker performances, I would look back on the probable one and only highlight of the Ian Cathro reign when they hammered a pretty dismal Rangers side at, at Tynecastle. And uh, Jamie Walker was absolutely magnificent in that number 10 position. And you get a real vibe for how he picks up speed and how he drifts in behind midfielders for the opposition team, picks it up, shoots, makes a killer pass. So, you know, there's loads and loads of things that are really good about a, Jamie, a move for Jamie Walker. But again, how can we sit here and talk him up to the hill if we don't know how fit he is, we don't know how sharp he is? And that's something that Callum needs to be confident about because, as you say, he's going to be bringing in quite a few people in January and they need to be successful signings and he needs to be confident they can play for the run-in because it's going to, it's looking like a pretty vital run-in. Yeah, I mean, it's, it does, he he wants them in early in January and, you know, I, th- I think if, 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 if he can get a couple that he knows as much as you can know any signing, a couple of Scottish-based ones would be important, wouldn't they, Jim? <laughs> I, I think so, um, Eric. I mean, um, you know, patently at the moment, what uh, what what Callum has, both you know, starting <clears throat> and on the bench, 
not doing the job. And he's got a really, really difficult period coming up. And what he's got to watch is that things are not away from him. Um, by the time we get into, um, yeah, you know, into that's... the January, I mean, you know, I mean, start, everybody else start, is picking up results, Jim. That's absolutely. The that's the danger and I mean starting with Aberdeen you know you're, you're then going to Ibrox in midweek you're going to Motherwell and I, I, I mean you know Dundee were fabulous against Motherwell just brilliant they, they pinned them they put their boot in the neck for kind of 90 minutes but Motherwell are a good side you know Motherwell are a good side so you've got in, in quick succession you've got the Dons the Rangers before that know, Rangers uh, yeah, yeah that, that's right you know uh, then Motherwell um Ross County will be scrabbling for their lives within as well. Celtic. I mean, you know, we've said it before, we're fed up saying it on this programme. This is a really, really tough league, toughest in years. But he's got to make sure that things don't start to get away from him. So he does uh, need, um, he, he, he kind of needs a battery of new players and just to just to take the take McDermott by the scruff of the neck to lift the place, to to push it on, to put players who are there under pressure. Um, my issue is, and uh, you know, well documented, my views on the, tra- the January transfer window, any transfer window. Um, to a great extent, there's a lottery. You sign five players, you might get two who do as well as you thought they would do. You get one who's kind of just doesn't quite hit the heights you hope for, and a couple who just go off the boil or never achieve what you hope for. Um, in the January window, what you're buying, well, very often you're buying somebody else's troubles, you're buying somebody's injury case, you're buying somebody who's kind of got an attitude problem, you're buying somebody who just isn't fit, you're buying all of these things, you know, and, and, and particularly you're buying somebody who isn't a fit and hasn't been playing much, it's taking you four, five, six weeks to get them up to speed, by which time a lot more damage is done. So, you know, I mean, it, it's, it's just, it's almost astonishing. Uh, you know what's happened to Saints. You know double cup winners, uh, and suddenly finding themselves um, in a position where you know it was almost unthinkable to think of Saints being sucked into you know a basement relegation battle. But here we are, fifteen games in, and and, and they're lying second bottom, a couple of points behind Dundee. You have a game in hand over them, and, and you know three ahead of Ross County, who many of us have kind of tipped for you know for doom um, from early on in the season. So they're really you know the. It's not that time is short. There's no time. He needs to get the players in. Uh, Stevie Brown's got to back him, and let's get the players in, and really think long and hard. Um, you know about yeah, just expanding the squad and getting good quality in it and getting away from the foot of the table. I think just 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 thinking off the top of my head, there it just struck me. I think what Saints need, Alan, just to wrap the Saints bit up is they need a talisman because they've not. And whether that's one that's already in the in the building, and I'm talking about, you know, a Glenn Middleton, a Sean Rooney. Sean Rooney's been nowhere near the player he was last season. Just, you know, like you say, Middleton was the one that I thought would elevate the team a bit more because he had so much more in him. And he was already doing well at the end of last season. So, you know, Vertainen, maybe Viv Solomon Ottobaur who's there, he needs, or somebody still to come, they need... They need a they need a hero just now, don't they? Because this this sort of it's it's that's every other you go through the other teams and you can see them, can't you? You know, you mentioned Hungboat, Ross County. You know, there's there it doesn't have to be a centre forward or a centre midfielder, but somebody needs to be the man that's going to make the difference for St Johnston just now. Yeah, absolutely. Somebody to grab games by the neck um, and actually, you know, just <clears throat> refuse to be beaten or create something special or you know just provide the moments. Those moments have been lacking. You know, St. Johnston's success last season was uh, was so built upon being, you know, a phenomenally uh, well-drilled, professional, uh, diligent outfit with moments of Spoonie chop, a Rooney header. Exactly, yeah. exactly. You know, those magic moments that will be on uh, video roundups for the next 50 years for St. Johnston fans. You know, the, it's who is going to provide those moments at the moment. And yeah, you you list players and yeah, I'm, I'm shrugging my shoulders. The people you're listing, uh, you know, do, do they have that person in the dressing room? You know, we just had a long chat about Jamie Walker there. He is probably, he's a player that can provide those moments if he's if he's fit. Um, I'm sure Callum Davidson will have a few more on his shortlist who would probably fit that bill. But yeah, it's whether it's, you know, their most creative players being injured or whether it's been their most inspirational leaders not quite hitting the heights that they did last season or playing for Preston and Wigan, which is a, a fairly big issue. Um, it's, uh, you know, it's it's a, it's a difficult situation at the moment. And it's just, 
I mean, it's going to be a, a fascinating January because it's such a, I think it's a hellish window. I really do. Uh, you know, Jim alluded to the reasons why uh, earlier in terms of, you know, you're you're not bringing in players who are flying at other clubs in January. There's a reason why they're available in January. So um, if, if Callum Davidson can pull a, a, a few terrific signings out in January... Yeah. I mean, I can remember could, one, Alan, and it was uh, the... Again, it wasn't a position that you would you would say, "Oh, he, he there's there's going to turn a season." But when we were in a similar scenario, in what turned out to be Tommy Wright's last season, and Jamie McCart transformed, just just paying a few quid for him to get him in, rather than wait till because they got him on a pre contract from Inverness, they paid about fifty grand. I can't remember. Uh, I might be lying. It might not have been fifty grand. Whatever it was, just to get him in that wee bit earlier, and he proved to be. You know the the sort of the difference. You know for that that defence, all of a sudden, it's Tommy Wright could change between a two and a three, and you know they, they never looked back. So you know the, you, there are successes in January. We can't write them. Well, one hundred percent. It's it's certainly not impossible. It's just very difficult, and it's certainly difficult to do with five or six signings at the same time. It's, it's just certainly it's not a it's not a window I'd like to be rebuilding. It's in. certainly difficult to do unless you're going to spend the cash, and that's the other thing. I mean, you know, listen, you know when you when I was having a laugh on Twitter the other day, you know what Saints fans are like when it comes. To persuading the chairman to spend some money, but this might be a time he's got to do it, and that might not just be a case of bringing guys in who, um, you know, I, 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 their clubs won't let them go, or on the odd occasion are, are free agents, and goodness knows why at this stage in the game. Um, but you know, you might actually have to go and try to, uh, you know, negotiate a fee with some club. Oh, no, he has to pay. You know, he's got to pay money. He has to pay a good wage to a centre midfielder. There's no, there's no doubt. Yeah, about but you might it. have to pay that, a fee as well. You know, that's, yeah, that's, that's no, the issue. Absolutely. I, I mean, absolutely. I, I just think on terms of what you're saying, Eric. I mean, you are. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's kind of like the old Bonnie Tyler song, kind of holding out for a hero. Where does it come from? I mean, why if there's one in the dressing room, totally there's one in the, the heart, squad. Jim, where has where has where has a total eclipse of Saints Premier Premiership position if they don't watch out? That's the danger. I mean, I think you know, time for the sports psychologist. I think Eric. You know, I'm a big fan of sports. I get the, get the sports psychologist. <laughs> Just then, you know. Give his number to Calm then. Okay, <laughs> fair days. Right, we'll 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 round off with your your favourite subject, Alan. It's for doesn't doesn't matter if it's if the quality is any good. It always seems to turn out to be the best league, doesn't it? Or the most interest, intriguingly, the champion, the Cinch Championship. And I think last it was an absolutely awful game to watch. And see the amount of time I'm starting to Friday night football. I always look forward to, you know, on the BBC Scotland <laughs> channel. It's a bit like Monday night football and, and on Sky, you think, when was the last time I actually saw a, a really good game. one? But anyway, it was an awful <laughs> game between Inverness, Cali and Kilmarnock. But I tell you what, it, it didn't have, make me think, this is an absolutely, not anybody's, but there's four or five teams, maybe, maybe, two or three or three or four that can win that league and Kilmarnock have got an absolute fight on their hands haven't they yeah I was that was my takeaway from that game as well um it's you if you were Wraith Rovers or even if you're a broth you know it's you'd be looking at that going there's not a great deal to fear the thing I would it's fear Scott would Robinson be, Paul Worth these guys should be ripping it up in that league yeah the, the thing I would the thing I would fear from Kilmarnock is their spending power in January because I don't think they can countenance not getting promoted this season and I you know I I think back to even, you know, if we're talking about, you know, Wraith Rovers being in a in a promotion fight, I think back to season 11-12 when Dunfermline went out and signed Liam Buchanan, Kevin Rutkovic, a couple, you know, a couple of big, big players who Martin made... Hardy, did it, yeah, the same a couple of, a couple of really, really big players who made the difference in them getting promoted and I could see Kilmarnock doing the same thing again, but... In terms of where the squads are right now, it's a hugely open division, and I wouldn't be—I wouldn't even be discounting Partick Thistle at the moment. No, you I look looked at that. that I, I thought that as well. Know, they're uh, they are not conceding goals. They've got goals in them with players like uh, Scott Tiffany. Uh, I really like their midfield: um, Doherty, Bannigan, Tiffany, and Kyle Turner. It's a really good midfield for. Um, and funnily enough, sorry, be- I'll just just to, I, we can we're going to talk I, we can talk a future date about the sort of stars down there. But somebody who I who I have a lot of time for in Scottish football, I was asking them about the who's you know midfielders in the championship. You know, just basically you know thinking could. Could St Johnson is there? Is there a realistic one that you could get out of there? And the name that came up was uh, was Bannigan. Mm-hmm. Well, if if Stuart Bannigan 
could uh, you know hadn't had such serious injury problems during his career, he would be a top flight player. I mean, there's not it's not even a it's not even a talking point. He is a super midfield player, and yeah, there's no reason why Partick Thistle can't be in the automatic promotion shakeup. But you're right; it's a it's a fascinating division, impossible to call, and Kilmarnock visit. Wraith Rovers on Saturday um, and Kilmarnock's record against their fellow kind of title chasers is absolutely abominable so uh, you fancy Wraith Rovers, for this one? It's... I, I fancied Wraith a lot more before Brad Spencer broke his leg um, <laughs> that's a, <laughs> that's a, an absolute How big is it for them? For, Massive, yeah. There's, there's no, there's no point trying to downplay that. He, Brad's come in and he's been, he's gradually stepped in as the successor to Reagan Henry in terms of the player who makes that team tick. He's, you know, he, he, he quite deep lying, but he can get forward, tough tackling, and a super, superb at circulating pos- possession, which is so vital to a John McGlynn team, uh, getting the ball through the lines, getting the ball wide. So. I think they'll be okay until January because you can still play Dylan Tate and Ross Matthews deep with Ethan Ross in the hole. Um, that's still a good midfield, but Dylan Tate then goes to Hibs in January. Um, we'll see if um, he's going to get his chance. The new manager's going to want to have a look that, at him, exactly. isn't he? Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. So Wraith might be thinking, Oof, if this new manager doesn't fancy Dylan getting in the team straight away, maybe, maybe, maybe. Um, a wee loan back, but we'll see how that plays out. But um, and we know we're talking about January business. Wraith Rovers, I would say, need two uh, central midfielders in January if Dylan goes back to, well, I say go back, he's never actually been there properly. But if he you know, gets a chance at his parent club, Hibs, uh, I think Wraith Rovers will need to do some business in January as well because I think their title rivals, certainly Kilmarnock, uh, could very well do some business. Yeah, I mean, time and time again, and, you know, Alan's said it on here in the past, and I speak to others, and there's a lot of people that say Wraith Rovers when they're playing well, they're the, the best team in that league, Jim. Mm. Yeah, uh, <clears throat> I think the, the the thing is they're scoring well, you know. Um, the 26 goals for make some joint second best in, in, in the, the division and, and they don't concede huge amounts. I mean, there are, there are teams with better um, goals against columns, but, uh, you know, 16 conceded isn't desperate by any manner of means. So, you know, so they're outscoring handsomely Inverness who are a point ahead of them <clears throat> and they can, uh, but they concede more. But, I just think it's it's I mean, who would call this league, you know, from 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 Inverness, Wraith, Kelly, Partick to Arbuth, you've got three points separating them after sixteen games. I mean, it's an incredibly tight league, and um, much I think will come down eventually, as, as Alan was you know kind of suggesting there. Kelly probably have the buying power. I, I just you know there's a, there's a I've just got a wee thing about Partick as well. You know, score freely twenty nine for only fourteen against. I just kind of wonder um, about I think there's a bit of quality in that squad as well. But you know, any one of these teams in the, in the top five and and that top five is, is is already a top five on its own. I mean, there's twelve points. Um, separating Arbroath in fifth and Hamilton in, 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 in sixth. So, so, you know, you've got the top five, I think, it's almost a league on its own, and they're all capable of beating each other. So uh, there's, there's many a twist and a turn in um, this one. I like what we Dodgy's doing at Inverness. I liked his wee rant about the Morton dressing rooms the other night, the Porter Cabins, but um, <clears throat> I like what he's doing at Inverness. I think they're, they're really solid. But all of these sides solid, the but top. I don't think I don't think they're quite. No, I don't, I don't think, think they've, they've quite got an X factor to win that. No, league. you need a wee bit of flamboyance. I think I think that's right, and and I think Wraith might have that. And I kind of wonder if Party might have. I'm not. I'm, and you know what? I'm not discounting. I mean, I said the other week that you Dick would hate me for it, but they are both were serious title contenders. Whether whether they'd have the staying power between a combination yeah, of they're going to lose. They're going to lose new play as well, aren't they? That's yeah, going to be that's right. Probably goes as well. You know, so but it's a really really tight a really tight affair this one and I think you know in five or six weeks time I think it'll still look as tight as it does today yeah well the other end I mean it's just such a curious league for umpteen reasons but the one of them one of the biggies being just the the, the sort of clean split between the, the two halves of the table Alan and that felt like a, a felt like a honeymooning ending defeat for Dunfermline last weekend that could have really they could have done themselves a lot of good by winning that game and I guess almost like the almost like that bottom cluster in the the top flight. There's no getting out of that in any time soon, is there? You know, it, it take a serious run of form to get yourself into mid table safety, wouldn't it? That, that this is Dunfermline's lot for the foreseeable, isn't it? 
yeah, the aim this season is now to avoid relegation. It's, it is such a bizarre division to basically have. Uh, there's basically been a, a, a winter split in the championship and now the teams in the bottom half are looking to finish sixth. That's winning their league for those teams and the top five are are, are going for the title. The, the Those bottom five teams separated by three points. I mean, that is a dogfight. You know, we talk about how exciting it is at the top. The relegation battle is going to be an absolute cracker. It's, uh, you know, how, if you can well enjoy such things. Look? How, how, how did they look? Compare and contrast Hamilton and uh, Dunfermline. Were Dunfermline disappointing? The, both teams were absolutely woeful. Um, it's a, it's a, it's an utter travesty that either team walked away with three points from that game. Um, it's there speaks the man that was sat there in the freezing cold, <laughs> hating, hating every minute of it. You know? No, I mean I'm, I'm a positive guy. I'll take anything. You know, it, I mean watching football beats working for a living. But at the same time, let's not pretend that a bad game is a good game. It was, you know, the standard was dreadful, and um, it was two nervous teams that aren't quite clicking going forward, and it was decided by the referee making a fundamentally wrong decision. Um, as we've seen with Graham Dorans getting his red card uh, rescinded. So it shouldn't have, three points uh, shouldn't have gone to Hamilton. It should have been a draw. It should have been a nil-nil draw um, all day long. And Dunfermline wouldn't be in the bottom two at this point if that was the case. But they are. And as you say, results-wise, honeymoon period's over. But their last two games against Hamilton and Partick Thistle, uh, both could and should have ended in draws. Um, prior to that, they were very, very good um, against Air United and now back at East End Park against bottom of the league and a struggling, really struggling Queen side that just got um, dumped out the cup 3-0 by Cove Rangers at home. You would think that this has to be a springboard. Dunfermline will be looking to win. They'll be looking to win well. They'll be looking to put on a show because um, for me... Air United are a better team than Queen of the South and they swept Air United aside. So um, the last two games have been not great, attritional, poor, could have gone either way. But this needs to be the springboard. This needs to be back at home, entertain the fans, give a bit of positivity back because the feel-good factor is still there. I know it's an easy thing to say and it sounds trite and it sounds meaningless, but the players are enjoying it. There is a different mood about the place. We're back doing pressers in person so you do get more of a vibe about the place. And the feel-good factor is, um, you know, there is something there, but that is utterly meaningless, me saying that, until they start winning football matches. Yeah, I was just thinking, just thinking about Dunfermline there, Jim. They wouldn't want to, it would be it would be a big help for John Hughes and the, the money men if they could kind of, not, they'll not they'll not get themselves safe, but if they can make January less important because the type of signing they would want to make, they would want to make, to build a promotion team might be a bit different to the type of signing they would make in January just to keep themselves in that division. So, you know, they could they could stop themselves from, you know, wasting money this January by sorting them, by getting a couple of good results in December. But you, you, you kind of get what I'm what I'm meaning with no, that. Well, absolutely. I mean, there, there's there's always a there's always a serious problem, I think, with teams looking to come up. Um, not they're looking to come up this season. I mean, that, that's that's that went a long time ago. But <clears throat> next season is a building season. However. You know, he's inherited a team. I, mean, I, I hear what Alan's saying there about there's a better atmosphere and all the rest of it. But the truth of the matter is when you inherit a team that uh, is performing as badly as Dunfermline have been until uh, John Hughes came in, it's not just about, you know, a team being poorly managed or something like that. You've got a quality of player that just isn't good enough. That's uh, There might be many players in the team. And I've looked at that Dunfermline squad and thought, why are they down there? Well, they're down there for many reasons, but ultimately they're not been good enough. Now, th- th- you know, th- that means that presumably, you know, that because managers are not miracle workers. Managers can come in and change things and you get a new bounce and all the rest of it, but you can't fundamentally take a team that has been as badly underperforming as Dunfermline and suddenly transfigure them overnight. So John Hughes needs to add quality to that squad. Now, the thing is there... Um, a, you've got to add. You've got to next season add the kind of quality that can get you out of that league, but also the kind of quality that will keep you up in the Premiership. Stop it being a one-season wonder. But you've got to attract that quality in the first place. So you've got to be able to attract players um, who are good enough to get you out of the league and good enough then to keep you in. That costs money, um, and it's quite a hard thing to do. Uh, the benefit is that Dunfermline still come with a good reputation. They're a big club, um, good facilities, good stadium, and all the rest of it. Moving towards, I don't know just what the timescale is on the the new uh, ground, new training grounds at Rosyth and all the rest of it. But there's a club, they're a club with plans, so that uh, means that they're an ambitious club, and that would make it easier to attract players. But still, 
you know, you're still in a marketplace which is quite competitive for the best. Uh, the only good thing you can say is only ways up. And as I've said previously, I think Yogi's the guy to take them there. Yeah, just last last thing before we, we wrap up, Alan, and you've you've spoken to him a couple of times over the, over the last couple of weeks, and and he's he's come in the team, he scored goals. Um, it never reflects well on a manager. I think like I'm talking about Peter Grant and and Lewis McCann here that a guy can be totally frozen out. A young player in particular, you know, with a bit of established pedigree in terms of Northern Ireland under twenty ones, then come in. And look as if he belongs. I'm not saying he's, he's, you know, he's looked absolutely, you know, you know, like he shouldn't be at Dunfermline type thing. But it never reflects well on a manager when a young player like that can come into the team and hit the ground running and make a difference. Um, what type of player is Lewis McCann? Because he obviously has, you know, a bit of added, you know, there's a bit of added interest because of who he's, who his brother is, and all the rest of it. What type of player is he? And what? <laughs> He must have been in a pretty low place before, you know, towards the end of the uh, the Peter Grant regime. Yeah, well, I think there's perhaps a little bit of, you know, snow blindness in terms of Peter Grant. Where you know, when uh, you're training with the same players every week and relying on those players, you you start to rely on your core squad. I think that's natural. That probably happens at any club. That's how players start to feel on the peripheries. You know, the the manager for whatever reason will have their core group that he sees as potentially changing games. Um, and also it should be said that in, in fairness to Peter Grant, if I'm sitting just with a sheet of paper and Lewis McCann's on a list with Craig White and Nikolai Todorov, Kevin O'Hara, I probably don't pick Lewis McCann. So it's to John Hughes's immense credit. And to, to be fair, I, I should actually say it's to Stephen Whitaker and Greg Shields immense credit. They're the ones that started them against Inverness and that's was the springboard to him remaining in the team. So they deserve immense credit for bringing fresh eyes to something that had maybe gone a little bit stale in terms of assuming who would be playing up front. Um, so, but it's all down to Lewis for taking that opportunity. He's playing with confidence. He's playing with freedom. He needs some support. He's been very isolated in the last two games, but he's towering, rangy, great stride in terms of pace, acceleration. Well, he's quick, isn't he? Quick for a big Physically, man. Has absolutely. Well, I think he's, he's he's quick just because of his stride pattern. The the, the man is, a, you know, he's huge for his age um, and puts himself about, fearless, you know, was going up for everything with big Mihai Popescu um, in that uh, Hamilton game. Um, I think there's something there. There's something there that can be crafted and shaped into a, a, a good striker. And I think... Um, we've certainly heard that in the past and John Hughes seems excited about working with him so it's um, it's exciting um, he's, he's on a high just um, you know we'd got a piece on the Courier website with Lewis talking about how he's just received his physical first ever Northern Ireland uh, under 21 cap um, following in the footsteps of a, a family that is just ridiculously talented uh, from top to bottom um, and he's I think he's in a, he's a good place he's a very uh, Funny character to speak to, you know, is uh, quite quite a droll sense of humour, and uh, uh, but a lot to like about him, and he's got real potential. So uh, get some support to him against Queen of the South, and um, he could have a good, he could have a good day, and could have a good remainder of the season. Good stuff. Oh, that's brilliant, now, and thank you again, Jim, as well. Thank you very much for listening. But we'll be back next week. Bye bye, just now. If you like the podcast, we'd be grateful if you tell your pals about it, or even better, leave a review or a simple rating on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts. All that really helps people to find Talking Football, and that means a lot to us. Don't forget too to pick up your copy of The Courier Monday to Saturday, or go to thecourier.co.uk slash subscribe to find out how to get our award-winning sport, business and local journalism across Tayside and Fife in the way that's right for you. The Courier. Local matters.